Today on the Dean Dome Talk, we discuss the uh, aftermath of the UNC Miami win. Uh, we talk about uh, other other happenings in college football and uh, quarterback issues with the Panthers and Browns. Then uh, we preview the Pac-12 and Big Ten basketball seasons and take a look at the NBA West as the NBA season has just tipped off. But first, it's tip-off time on the Dean Dome Talk. Before we get started, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, Andrew and I would love to grow this podcast even more, so please do us a favor. Share this with your friends, your family. Let's get the word out there that this is the best UNC podcast out there. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Dean Dome Talk. I'm Getty. Joining me today is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And uh, it's been a little bit. Life's gotten in the way, but nevertheless, we persist, as we must always. And um, it's the bye week for UNC football. Uh, no games today before the long stretch of ranked teams we have to play. Um, Notre Dame, NC State is ranked. Wake Forest, we play Wake Forest, right? Yeah. Yeah, Wofford is Christian there somewhere. It's going to be a little rough, but... Um, we we could we could t- oh we also do play Pittsburgh, we got a lot. This schedule still has a lot of meat in it. Um, you know, still room to grow, still room to grow and uh, upset other people's season. But we will be talking about the Miami game just for a little bit. But first, let's do a little bit of quick fire. I'll go ahead and launch us into that. And uh, number one, Tom Brady has become the first quarterback to reach six hundred passing touchdowns. 600. <laughs> that is... Is anybody going to beat that record? I don't... I just... I can't imagine... I mean, who knows? Maybe one day. But is this one of those records? Now, go on. Yeah, no. Not anytime soon will anyone come close to that record. Yeah, um... I, I was watching NBA on TNT and Reggie Miller was talking to Steph Curry about three the three-pointers made. And Reggie Miller asked Steph Curry, is your record ever going to get broken? <laughs> Curry's like, probably not. It, it, it's one of those records that's never going to be broken. Because it is so special. Yeah, just amazing. I mean... Love him, hate him. That is an accomplishment right there. To be in the game that long, to be able to do it. 
and to be able to do it, hats off to Tom Brady. But uh, speaking of old people, <laughs> yeah, I just used the, uh, yeah yeah I just used that, <laughs> um, and you'll understand why. Uh, so the Pelicans G League team was holding up some tryouts, uh, public tryouts, and um, a certain man by the name of Kelvin Davis decided to try out for the for the Pelicans G League team, and. Uh, um, <laughs> Kelvin Davis, a Huntsville, Alabama native, was looking to was looking to get a spot on the team. His age? Sixty-two years old. <laughs> Let's put this into perspective. This is uh this is this is coming from a the PelicansDebrief.com, which is one of those fan uh, pages, but this has been corroborated on multiple sources. He is older than the Pelicans franchise. He is older than basketball has been played in New Orleans. Oh my gosh. That is... I. <laughs> he is older than the original New Orleans team, the New Orleans Jazz, with stars like Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete. I mean, <laughs> Zion's not playing. He's injured. Yeah. If they got a spot on the roster for this guy, he'll probably play more games than Zion. Stay healthy. Man, I mean, just sixty-two. Older, so older than the New Orleans Pelicans themselves. That, like that right there, should give him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so uh, that, that's our that's a little bit of a quick fire uh, facts. Yeah, yeah you, you can't top that quick fire. Yeah, it's too much, yeah. too much, too good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he actually got a spot. I don't know if he actually got a spot, but uh, I hope he did. In my heart, he did. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and move on. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, did they, is there no like age, like age, like criteria or like age little box on the form he has to fill out to try out, or were they just like letting people just walk in to their center and try out? Like age, would, would that be age discrimination? You know, I don't know. If you say oh, you can't be older than a certain age, I mean, like, I don't know. If he can play ball, like <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I really hope he got that spot. That like he he would become like the fan favorite there. Oh yeah, a legend. He would be a legend. <laughs> but um, onto some younger people. Yeah, onto onto uh, some younger people now. I guess we're gonna use use age as a transition now. Um, let's talk about the UNC Miami game. They had me there in the end, almost. To be honest, uh, I I could see flashes of us just losing on a game-winning drive for Miami with that clutch interception at the end. Man, I mean, that's just the epitome of the season, really. Mm -hmm. 
defeat at the jaw at the jaws of victory, essentially. But I guess the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I I don't really know what much to say about this game. It was chalked up that we should be winning this game. But also, so many games we've played this season were chalked up to be must-wins. And we didn't. Yeah. Still the same problems with the O-line. Hmm? In in his second run at UNC, he was... 3-0 3-0 against Miami, so I mean, that's something. That is something. That is something. Yeah. But, um, I guess, should we talk about, should we talk about, um, a commitment to football first, or should we talk about the UNC Notre Dame game? Let's talk about the UNC Notre Dame game. Alright. Start with that negative, and then go to the positive. We actually got two positives. After yeah, this. two positives. Yeah. One football, one basketball. Exactly. Um, but Notre, oof, UNC has got to play Notre Dame next week, and that is not going to be fun at all for UNC, given the way that we've been playing. Um, Notre Dame has a better defense than Miami did. I mean, Notre Dame's ranked, I think, 11th in the country. They are a very, very good team. We are not... I'm not excited for what's about to happen. I have a feeling that we're going to get torn apart like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Holes yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But it's also the most UNC thing to do to just win this game with a lot of yeah. like gusto. You're like, look, guys, we're good. And then just lose to Wofford. <laughs> yeah, beat Notre Dame, lose to Wofford. That would be a UNC season right there. Yeah, Notre Dame would hate us for it because right. <laughs> they'd be torpedoing their season for no reason at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, Notre Dame's only loss so far is the number two ranked Cincinnati. Or Cincinnati was ranked lower then, but right now Cincinnati's ranked number two. That's not a bad loss, though. No, it's it's not at all. And it was by not, uh, 11, so it was like not like a blowout or anything. Yeah. But, not close, but not a blowout. Right, right. So I'm nervous, although, who knows? It just feels like sometimes I feel like with UNC, we, we play well when we're supposed to lose, but then we play poorly when we're supposed to win. So maybe there's a chance. But. Yeah, I guess. Sponsor recruiting? Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's let's start with the football recruiting news. It is massive. Huge. I mean, just nuts. Okay, so offensive tackle Zach Rice of the class of 2022 committed to UNC. He is ranked number nine in the country by 247 recruiting. Number nine player in the country, and it's not a basketball player. <laughs> the crazy thing is he is not our highest recruit for the class of 2022. Um, the class that Zach Rice is in. In 2022, we also have number four in the country, defense lineman Travis Shaw. Oh, I remember his. I remember him committing. That was big. Yeah, this is. I mean, the, just Mac Brown knows how to recruit. He's not making the you know some of the adjustments that we want him to like in playing, but 
our class for 2022 is currently ranked number one in the ACC and number nine in the country. Mac Brown doesn't miss. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I'm excited. Yeah. It, the, the exciting thing is, I mean, this is what UNC football should be because we should be a premier pro, like a premier recruiter in North Carolina that also recruits very well in Virginia, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Because there's a lot of talent in those areas. So we should be able to recruit, you know, have top 20 classes consistently, which Mac Brown's been doing. Um, but, you know, looking at this class, Zach Rice, he's from Virginia. So he went up there, stole one of their top players. And then Travis Shaw is from, uh, he, he, went, he goes to high school in Greensboro, North Carolina. So that's, you know, we're keeping our talent here because it used to be a lot of the, you know, SEC, Big Ten kind of programs would go into North Carolina and steal our guys. But now we're starting to retain our guys, which is which is huge. So it doesn't just help us, it hurts the other guys. Right, right. It hurts opponents, definitely. It definitely does. That's big. But uh, we also bagged in the basketball department. Um, Hubert Davis also does not miss. Um, Simeon Wilker, uh, class of 2023. So he wouldn't be coming in next year. He'd be coming in the year after. A uh, five-star combo guard from Roselle, New Jersey. 14th in the country, but number three combo guard in the class. 6'4", 185 weight, but 6'4", I, I, I'd say he's going to be 6'6", probably, when he uh, comes to campus. And wait, doesn't matter right now. Um, that's a gigantic commitment right there. That is a guard spot we have just locked up. And that is really, really good. That was a concern uh, I was having about you're bringing in all these multi-year guys, but where is our star? Where is our star who's going to take the team by the horns and run this thing? Mm-hmm. And we got him right here, Simeon Wilker. Now, I've also seen online, this like not to turn something positive into a concern, but... I'd seen him talk a lot about the G League, Overtime Ignite, and it's kind of concerning me because we've seen a lot of these good players commit to the good teams. Um, A few of them committed to Michigan and then decommitted and went to the G League, Mm -hmm. which uh, I, I honestly don't like them doing this. I, mean, I don't think anybody likes them doing this other than like the families because they'll get instantly paid. But I think with the name image rights, uh, NIL, I think it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I think UNC is enough to keep the guy here, to keep the guy committed, keep Simeon uh, Wilker focused on us instead of wonder where I could get in the G League. But uh I wouldn't be surprised if he decommits, but I really, really hope he doesn't. And I don't think he will. What's the kind of signing bonus for these guys? Um, something like 500K or something. I, 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 okay. I've seen that number floated around. 500K in a year. 
Which that's, I mean, that's that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Especially for, you know, a player who knows that they're probably going to be a one and done anyways. You know, it almost makes sense. Like, why not start making the money sooner? I think what he's a good thing. Yeah, that's why it's a good thing for college basketball that this NIL stuff allows players to be paid. Um, Yeah, because there's every incentive to go to the G League. Exactly. Now, I think he commit. He's committing. Like, he was very like he was obviously a very big fan for you of UNC, and. Mm I think he's committing to, to help secure a place, and he's also going to be watching how Hubert Davis does this first season. How is this going to roll? Are they going to play the way that he's been promised they're going to play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If all goes all well, he's going to stay. But if things don't seem to be working out the way he wants, I don't think he's going to decommit and go somewhere else. He he would pro- he could possibly de- decommit just go G League. I think what he's doing is keeping his door open to G League, but principally committed to UNC. That makes sense. Yeah, but I, like I said, I expect him to stay committed to UNC. Expect him to see him be a Tar Heel and just throw, just throw, put the ball in the basket multiple, multiple, multiple times. Uh, That's the goal. Yes, that is the goal. That is how you win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I've uh, talked enough about that. Two big, two big, great commits. Yeah. Um, awesome. If we want to go ahead and go ahead and pivot, I guess to the rest of the college scene. I guess we're going back to college football here. Yeah. No, there um some some big things. Uh, you, we talked about Iowa last episode. How good they were playing and how just dominant they were especially their defense how you know they were putting up madden like number of interceptions three four five interceptions that they were that they were forcing of other teams well this last weekend they played purdue they forced zero interceptions their defense came back down to earth and instead they threw four interceptions and they were upset by unranked purdue 24 to 7 there goes their college football playoff chance oh man that sucks yeah. I, i'm looking at this interceptions force thing and uh my how the tables have turned yeah yeah <laughs> i i see iowa forced zero interceptions when their average was like four wasn't it mm-hmm, something like that and purdue for, forced four so just complete flipping the rules right there no, it, it really is. Um, and it kind of showed their defense had to come back down to earth at some point. Yeah. Wasn't that good, so. I don't know if this necessarily ends their season. If they come back next game and just still pound it the way they've usually been, may, and like if they end up with only one loss, and, and right, they they're all similar sense. game, all their wins are similar, I think this is fine. But... They have to look convincing the rest of their games, and there's still a long That's season true. left. That's true. That's true. Speaking of a long season, this that there was a really long game. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> North. Uh, yeah. Not one, not two, not three, but nine overtimes. Nine. 
breaking the record, and Illinois won. Um, funny enough, the same weekend, uh, Princeton beat Harvard in five overtimes. So it, it was a it was a weekend of lots of overtimes in college football. Yeah, yeah like. Overtime is a really interesting thing in college. And in in the NFL, it's, you know, you have a chance to win an overtime. If not, you're just going to take the tie and deal with it. There's games behind us that need to get into the TV screen time. But in college, they're like, nah, you're selling this right now, whether you like it or not. But strangely enough, this nine overtime game isn't the highest scoring game. No, it was nowhere close to the highest scoring. The highest scoring game of the weekend, at least I think it was the highest scoring, um, was when number sixteen Wake Forest beat Army seventy to fifty six. <laughs> oh. So can you imagine, you know, like tell aren't like tell a college football team going into a game, oh, you're going to score fifty six points. They're going to think you know take it or leave it you know deal or no deal we're gonna win yeah instead they lost by double digits (laughs) Uh, that was an offensive show right there on one hand lake four is still going strong on the other hand army where's your defense yeah yeah can't let up 70 points that's Mm -hmm. embarrassing you know what else is embarrassing ed orgeron uh he's he's not gonna be coaching next year at lsu from what it looks like yeah he um did some stuff that made some administrators at lsu mad and uh he's not coming back next year for reports although he's allowed to finish the season which i found that i guess they're you know just out of respect for winning the championship in 2019 they're they're letting him finish the year but um not he literally just won a championship in 2019 so it's amazing how fast he has fallen to now being out of a job which brings up the question you know who's next at lsu and also the the bigger question that i've seen some people start debating both the lsu and usc jobs will be open those are both premier programs which job is more attractive that will be like that will be a fun a fun debate to be paying attention to throughout the year i don't know if we'll talk about it today but maybe at some point gulf coast beaches or west coast beaches i guess oh the i pity whoever has to make that decision oh yeah oh yeah it's so hard <laughs> but um the last piece of college football news although it's college in general yeah i think more geared towards college football the american conference after losing their you know top was it four teams yeah to the big 12 have now added six teams utsa rice north texas florida atlantic charlotte and uab charlotte is a very interesting addition like a lot of yeah yeah yeah. now go on go on go on no they just started fbs football like a few years ago yeah they're they're a young university and their 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 athletics is also younger 
Yeah. And a lot of the times they're getting pushed around in their conference, except in what were they last year? Their baseball was very good. I believe it was their baseball. And I mean, this year their football beat Duke. So I mean, not that Duke is any good, but standards. Honestly, I was very disappointed by the American Athletic Conference with who they who they got. Um, I mean, Rice. Okay, so and I guess to take a step back, UTSA is now. Uh, um, you cut out there. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was saying that I'm disappointed in the American with who they picked to join the conference. You, I mean, UTSA is ranked, and Rice used to be a, a, a very respectable program. They were part of the Southwest Conference. I know we've talked about that before, but um, they won multiple conference championships in the Southwest Conference back where, you know, all the Texas teams used to play until, like, the mid-'90s. But other than that, these other teams, these other programs are frankly no good. And it's surprising when you could have tried to get App State, which is a very, very respectable program. Um, Coastal Carolina, a team that's been on the rise. And I feel like there are others as well. Um, Army, you, you could have tried to get them because you already have Navy in the conference. And, you know, Army is a very respectable program as well. So it's just, it felt like they went for the wrong teams. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking also. So American already has ECU, East Carolina. Right. Bringing in Charlotte, that does create a new rivalry, regional rivalry. It does. That's really good. Um, bringing in also uh, Florida Atlantic when you already have South Florida, that's also good. Yeah. Uh, there's so many Texas schools now. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're going for a lot more geography. Trying to tick some boxes, create some rivalries. Creating those rivalries gets some more eyeballs. So they could have done worse. They probably could have done better. They could have done much better. I mean, I don't know. Like, if you wanted to create a North Carolina rivalry, go after App State because they are the established program. They are known as one of the top programs in the group of five. And Americans' whole thing has been trying to challenge the power five and make it a power six. And they were actually successfully doing it until this whole, you know, mass exodus American. But if you get, you could get this established program, App State, and App State and ECU for the past 20 or so years it's been that kind of thing where fans de- debate some about who is better because both programs at times can be on a similar, like, same level. But Charlotte, like, they're newbies. Also, like, you know, I don't understand why didn't they go after Liberty? Liberty is a, a newer program, like, but they have so much money pumping into their program. They have a big-time head coach in Hugh Freeze who has said that he wants to stay at Liberty. Um, for those of you who don't remember... Hugh Freeze was the head coach at Ole Miss. He eventually got fired because of NCAA violations, but he had Ole Miss very, very good. They made two straight New Year's Six Bowls, including winning the Sugar Bowl in 2015. They also beat Alabama in two straight years. Not not many people can do that. So 
it's like instead of going after a team who has him as a head coach, you go after UAB or North Texas. That I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they uh, App State is is a curious thing. I'm pretty sure they've been approached. Maybe they have their eyes set on joining another conference. Could be. Could be. There's no way they would join the ACC. Because they're not going to be allowed to join the ACC. They don't have the academics for it, probably. And already too many North Carolina schools. Mm-hmm. SEC... I could see them, weirdly no. enough, joining the SEC. No. But it's already too bloated. Not a, not a chance. I mean, their their only thing is like football, and you know, SEC's football. No, App State's like I know they beat Michigan in 07, <laughs> but to join the SEC in football, you have got to be so dominant. Um, like you, you've just got to be absolutely dominant. So, like yet Texas. Texas and Oklahoma are the two programs that they're including. Those are two of the biggest programs in college football. I mean, Texas is not like living up to their expectations, but when Texas football is at their peak, they are one of the they are a consistent national title contender. Whereas App State at their peak or a fringe top 25 team. Plus like Daryl K. Royal Stadium for Texas, a hundred thousand people, like you know, versus App State's thirty or forty thousand, or however many they fit into their stadium. I don't know. It's true. Yeah, but anyways, well, well we've talked about this for. I think yeah, I think we've uh... yeah. On to the NFL. There's not much in the NFL. I'll give a a Browns update. Gaddy will give a Panthers update. Uh, Baker Mayfield got injured, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. It was his non-throwing shoulder, which he injured it earlier in the year. People didn't think it was as bad, but there is a break in the bone. So don't know how long he's going to be out. But the Browns still beat the Broncos 17-14 on Thursday Night Football with a backup quarterback, a third-string running back, and other injuries. And the funny thing is the... um, the third string running back for the Browns, he he had an amazing game. It was his first start in the NFL. His name is Dearness Johnson. He was an undrafted free agent a two or like a couple years ago. And before he got on an NFL roster, you know, he couldn't find a he couldn't find an NFL job. So what he did instead was he was a fisherman. He was a fisherman and then one day he got a call, he got invited to a training camp and then you know, one thing led to another, and now he's the starter. He was the starter last week for the Browns. Huh? He grind away, and he'll eventually get called up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the Panthers. You know, I remember that Sam Darnold magic starting three and zero. It's gone. Sam Darnold got pulled um, from the from the starting position in the second half by Matt Roll. Didn't really improve the situation. Panthers couldn't get any offense at all against the Giants of all teams. Yeah. So, yeah. Not good. No, Panthers 
not doing well. And it's rumored that they're in the talks to possibly get Deshaun Watson, who honestly I would avoid with a 10-foot pole because <laughs> litigations against him allegedly and stuff. Yeah. Couldn't keep his hands to himself or something. So, yeah. All's not well in Charlotte. No, it is not. But uh, I guess we could go ahead and do a quick MLB playoffs. Just mention. Let's, we yeah. can just go ahead and mention that the yeah, just it's the Astros versus Braves for the World Series. Yeah, Braves first World Series appearance since 1999. Braves fans are very excited. They got revenge on the Dodgers. They almost made the World Series last year, but then the Dodgers beat them. But this year, the Braves beat the Dodgers, so um, they got their revenge. Yep. And I mean, yeah, that that's about it. The Astros are here again too. So um, keep an eye out. It should be a good series. Yep. Um, I guess it's time to jump into some more college basketball previews. Uh, yes. We're gonna go ahead and start with the Pac-12. Now, how these previews work is that uh, instead of giving a list one through whatever uh, where where teams are going to finish in their conference. I'm put, placing them into tiers where uh, F tier is the cupcakes. The guys are, they're not, they're not going to win much of anything. D tier is they're going to rebuild state. They'll win some games. They'll be like some flash in the pan sometimes where, Oh look, there's something there to look at. Give them some time to develop. C tier is teams that are set for the bubble. B tier is they're definitely going to March Madness, but they're not really going to get to week two. A tier are the Elite Eight candidates. And S tier are the national championship favorites. Um, so that's how it works. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Pac-12, starting at the bottom. At the bottom... All by itself, California in the F tier. Big sad. To save discussion on them, it's best to just say they need to rebuild a lot more than anybody else does. That's really all you can say. They don't really have the scoring, the coaching, the roster. They're kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's... Really, all I'm gonna say about them. Uh, let's move up into the D tier. These are the, the rebuilding teams. I start with Washington. Now it hasn't been too long ago when Washington was really, really good. Uh, 2020 and uh, 2021 season was really not that though. Uh, last season was really bad from the Huskies. I think the season will be better, not by much though. Um, they have experience from transfers and a junior college transfer, but they don't have they don't have a team identity anymore. Everybody who's been there, they've moved on. They have to completely rebuild. That's why they're at the bottom of a D tier for me. Now, if we move up a little bit, Utah, there's been some coaching changes there. Um, still not enough scoring on this roster, and they only have four returning players. Um, but they do have a uh, they have six, seven transfers. Uh, 
one of uh, one of whom's junior college transfer. Uh, Craig Smith, the new uh, the new Utah, but also the former Utah State and South Dakota coach, um, all doing some wonderful things with those teams, has a lot to do to get this Utah team up to snuff. So rebuilds. Uh, that's the theme here. Stanford. Well, Stanford is almost perennially good. They're not quite great, but they're okay perennially. I think this year on that for for them is going to be a little bit more of a down down year. The talent usually hasn't been the issue, but they've lost talent to graduation and the draft that Jared has has a lot of work to do if he wants to even get this team close to going to the dance. And I think that's a bridge too far. There's not enough offensive talent on this team right now. And, uh, yeah. Rebuild. And at the top of D tier is Colorado. Now, despite their fifth seed appearance last year, there is way too much talent lost from last, uh, from last season. Colorado has no real experience or offensive talent to repeat that five freshmen though five incoming freshmen so this is the the basic look of a rebuild yeah um now we're going into the c tier now i've only got two tiers or two teams here in the c tier in the bubble and that would be oregon state and arizona let's go ahead and start with arizona now Arizona is a little bit of a wild card here. They haven't had the best few years. Multiple income classes that have been absolutely smashing on paper, but fallen flat on their face. On top of that, the NCAA investigations into the program, probably more specifically Sean Miller. Uh, it's time for things to change. And change it has. Former Gonzaga assistant of 20 years under Mark Few, Tommy Lloyd. Has a lot of work to do. Three incoming transfers, two freshmen. Lloyd has tools on hand. Whether he's going to be able to get this Arizona team going to the big dance in his first year, that's debatable. But I think he has a solid shot at it. Mm-hmm. So, for me, that's enough to put them into the bubble conversation. Now, Oregon State last season uh, surprised people. Because they got the Pac-12 auto bid <laughs> from winning the, the whole conference um, uh, tournament, um, I don't see them doing this again. That was that was quite the f- flash in the pan. But I do see them in the bubble conversation towards the upper end of the bubble. They have tons of experience and five transfers among that experience as well. Um, though Xavier, Malone Key, and Trey Williams will probably be the only transfers of those five that will have any real impact. They have one freshman and another junior college transfer player. I don't know how much of an impact they will have. Freshmen are a gigantic wild card unless they've been heavily, heavily like scouted. And even in this past two years with COVID, it's really hard to properly scout a player yeah i think they can repeat going to the tournament but they're not going to get that out of it definitely not 
And the reason are the teams above them. Um, let's go ahead and start with Washington State. This is going to be a reach. But I don't think I'm the only person who's been reaching here. Um, Coach Kyle Smith is building something slowly. Three incoming freshmen, three incoming transfers, um, one of whom, uh, Michael Flowers from Southern Alabama, who scored 21 points per game, which is phenomenal to do that in a whole season. Um, the entire, entire starting lineup of the team is fairly experienced, which... Uh, in in my book, really influences how high the ceiling is for a team. They'll understand how to handle hardship, how to try to tackle different defenses and run different offenses. And that's why I have this Washington State team higher than others would have them. Now we take another step up towards Arizona State, um, which is this is another little bit of a hot take. Uh, most people probably have Arizona State and Washington State in the bubble. I have them sort of as locks for the tournament. Uh, but Arizona State, five incoming freshmen, four incoming transfers, all on top of a team that had a top 10 recruiting class last season, but only finished 11 and 14. Ooh. Yeah, they finished under 500 with a top 10 recruiting class. Now, there were a lot of unproven talents on that team last year, and it was a disaster. This season, the incoming transfer talent seems more productive. Just yeah. based on their pre on their CVs in college already. Mm-hmm. That's why I can see this team taking that next step up. Um, they got all the bad performances out of them, at least initially, and they can start to build up uh, on their their skills so arizona state in the middle of b tier and then usc the trojans they don't quite have the returning scoring from the other teams have considering that evan mobley left for the nba lottery and cleveland you can tell me all about them uh yeah but what usc does have is a lot of experience three seniors five juniors and then they have a transfer from memphis and then, you know, some non-experienced guys. Three freshmen. Um, getting this team to tick offensively might be a little bit tricky, but the defense and experience is there. And I think that defense is what's going to keep them in games more often than not. And the offense will just have to come from hustle, really, I guess. Um, but I think they're locked into the tourney. Now we go to the A tier. Now... I'm going to spoil it and say there are no S-tier teams. Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 is going to challenge for the championship. The Natty. No. Um, but there are two teams, I think, that have a shot at going to the Elite Eight. And that would be UCLA and Oregon. Now, uh, Johnny Juzang, well, him coming back is a big, big deal. But what's even bigger, in my opinion, is just the returning talent in general. Just about five players, all with double-digit scoring. Wow. Oh, oh, actually, one of their players out of those five doesn't really make that because he's missing out by point two points per game. But, you know, I, I'm writing this preview, so I'm considering that double-digits because I can. You know, I, I'll give him the – I'll round up. I'll be kind. I'll round up. Um, but – 
Adding this to a team, uh, adding to this team are two freshmen and Miles Turner, a transfer from Rutgers. Pretty good guy. Uh, and being honest, this team isn't going to replicate its Final Four run, but I think it can get to that Elite Eight. The cat's out of the bag, and people have already seen them come out of nowhere. They're going to respect this team now more. So how does this UCLA team play with expectations? Now that's something yeah. different. Um, Bruins are favored for the Pac-12. Uh, I would say Oregon's... In, oh, I think the bookies have the Bruins favorite for the Pac-12, but I have Oregon as the favorite for the Pac-12. Now, Oregon's been that team that people probably don't talk enough about. Um, they're solid every year. Every year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year's no different. They lost six players from last season, but they still returned some key guys. Um, and they bring in some more more talent. Uh, uh, Devion Harmon, guard from Oklahoma. Quincy Guerrier, remember him? Forward from Syracuse, would light us up for like 20 points every time we play them. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Young from mm-hmm. Rutgers. All of those guys, double-digit scores. There's three double-digit score transfers. That's without mentioning your three freshmen, who Oregon almost always scores with, tra- with freshmen. I think this team is going to be the best team in the Pac-12. They have the shot of going the furthest in the in the tournament. So, uh, yeah, that is my Pac-12. Only two, only two teams in the top little bracket. Three teams in the B tier, and a big chasing pack. To be honest, I like it. I like it. I agree with you that Oregon and UCLA are up at the top. Um. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, no, I think it's. A, I think you did a good job. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on this one. <laughs> um, I mean, we don't always have to agree on everything with this, but uh, yeah. From from what I've seen, I think what you said makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and this is always like, barring injuries. Like, right. Like, right. And I think the part. Of, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, this offseason, I've seen so many season-ending injuries. Just posted on the on forums and the Reddit. Just reports of season-ending injuries before the season even starts. Which is just baffling to me. How this is happening. But, and, I mean, one injury is all it takes to derail a season completely. So... Um, I guess yeah. we can go ahead and move on to the Big Ten basketball preview. Um, same same tier system, just with the Big Ten. Um, I don't have anybody in the Big Ten in the F tier. There's no pushovers in the uh, in the uh, Big Ten, but there are a few teams in D tier. I'll go ahead and start with Iowa. Now, the Luca Garza era is just over. It, it's the this guy was dominant. But he's gone now. And it ended with a disappointing loss to Oregon, who we just talked about. Iowa doesn't just lose Garza, but they also lose key offensive players in Viscott, Frederick, and Nunge. They're, they're rebuilding. They only have two returning players with double-digit scoring. They're rebuilding completely. Yeah. Uh, so I don't expect them to do much this year. Penn State... 
So last season was a bit of chaos after the head coach, Pat Chambers, resigned pending an investigation into his conduct. So, um, yeah, uh, this season Penn State brings in no freshmen. Wow. (laughs) But they bring in five transfers, one of whom is a junior college transfer. So while there is experience on this team, there isn't much scoring. And I don't think there's going to be much chemistry on this team. They're, so they're they're in complete rebuild mode with uh, former Brad Stevens assistant at Butler and the Celtics, Micah Shrewsbury. Um, now, Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin team that beat UNC last season is basically mostly gone, uh, though it does re- retain Brad Davison. All other players on the roster are either freshmen or have scored less than eight points per game. Uh, but on the topic of freshmen, Wisconsin brings in five. So this team hitting the reset button for a season, but could be seen rising up if the freshmen hit the ground running, um, especially see uh, Chucky Hepburn. He, he's, he might actually break out here uh, at Wisconsin. And uh, last team in D tier, I know I'm moving a little bit quickly, but we're talking about, we're talking about the non-competitive teams and at least in my opinion um minnesota now minnesota where do i start with them <laughs> they're only returning two players wow i have to lead with that the remainder of their roster it consists of nine transfers wow nine some d1 one junior college, two from D2. Minnesota's had a very tough time recruiting, especially when uh, UNC came in under their noses and took Curran uh, Walton. So, um, and, and it's honestly just reflected on the court. This season's not going to be much different. Torpedoes have all, uh, torpedoes, injuries have already torpedoed this season. Uh, a little bit of dyslexia there. Uh, with Parker Fox, a 22-point per, uh, per game forward who wasn't transferred from Division Two, And junior uh, player Isaiah uh, Inan are both out for the season. <laughs> they just can't get a break. That, is, that team is the closest to pushover that you can get. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. They don't have much going for them. Yeah, um, moving into the bubble conversation, this is a hot take. Michigan State, Ooh. bottom of the tier when it comes to the bubble tier. Now, last season, Michigan State made the big dance, but just barely with the first four spot. Michigan State has the chance to reset by bringing in guard Tyson Walker from Northeastern, an 18.8 point per, uh, point per game Uh player say that five times fast uh, along with five other freshmen there isn't much returning scoring and to be fair among the elite teams michigan state was one of the few that hasn't really gotten bitten by that uh what's been dubbed the blue blood uh flu or whatever but they're not really a blue blood but a lot a lot of these elite teams have been impacted um the only reason I'm putting Michigan State up here in 
the bubble when they probably should be in D tier is Tom Izzo. I he just finds a way. Yeah. To be honest. I think it's since 1996 they haven't missed the tournament or something. So we'll see. Nebraska. They're in the bubble conversation. Now, Husker basketball has kind of been cursed, and it's a meme. Seven tournament appearances since 1986, and zero wins. The only power conference school that has never won a tournament game. Fred Hoiberg has his hands full. Yeah, um, I think there's a stat that somebody has won the Masters from every continent, and Nebraska still hasn't won a tournament game. So, yeah. Um, after two seasons with an overall record of 14 and 45, which is 5 and 34 in conference, this is probably a make or break season for Hoiberg. I've got this gut feeling that Nebraska is about to surprise people. Maybe bubble contention's a stretch, but don't be surprised if Nebraska puts together a run of wins, though. That might put them in that conversation. From what I can tell, they've got the players to do it. It's maybe been mostly a coaching thing, but we'll see what happens. Things tend to happen when there's pressure applied. Right. And uh, at the top of C tier, Northwestern. Experience, period. This team's got a lot of returning experience, and they they need it. Uh, the 2021 season... Uh, the 2020-21 season was a roller coaster ending with a sort of an S season after being as high as 19th in the AP poll. Pete Nance, Boo Booey, Chase uh, Adige, while all double-digit double scores need to step up even more and go from at most 12 points per game to the upper teens if this team has any hopes of returning to the big dance. They have a chance, though. Experience is an extremely powerful thing. Yeah. Um, it is time to move into B-tier. And boy, B-tier is extremely, extremely populated. It sure is. I'll start with Rutgers. This is a little bit of a stretch, though. Uh... But Rutgers has been on the up and up since 2019. The key to this season's success for the Scarlet Knights are two players. Fifth-year player, Geo Baker, guard. And forward, Ron Harper. A senior averaging 14.9 points per game in 5.9 rebounds per game. Wow. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, Uh, I'll say. Rutgers also brings in three new players, two transfers and a freshman. But key to the, to the success of Rutgers is their size. They have five players over 6'8". Wow. Steve Pickiel uh, has uh, shown he's capable of getting the most out of his players. And as such, I think a trip to the big dance is guaranteed here. Bar tra- uh, tragic injuries. Now, this is the hot take. If you've seen the AP poll, you understand why. It's not often Purdue is ranked in the preseason. 
The AP preseason poll, though, has them at number seven. We'll actually talk about the AP preseason poll next week. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of how Matt Painter, every single year, turns an unranked team into an NCAA tournament bracket breaker. He, This guy can coach, no doubt. This team, however, is starting with expectations. And that's unusual for this talented bunch. Trevion Williams, Jaden Ivey, Sasha, Sasha Stevanovich, uh, they're all big scorers. The best among them is Trevion Williams, though, a forward slash center. And this guy can ball, and I mean he can ball. He will bully defenders in the post, rolling off of them up to put up an effortless jump shot or even jump hook. He fights for the rebounds, and there is a reason he averages 15.5 points per game and 9.1 rebounds per game. This guy is a big, big threat. Can the rest of the team live up to him and support him enough, though? Probably, but I don't think he, they're quite top 10 AP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Michigan. Now, Joan Howard hasn't really slowed down since returning to Michigan. Now, we're still in B tier, of course. Um, the law of averages says, though, they probably must. Can't just keep being this good every single year. Um, but... He has been, um, though it hasn't really stopped Gonzaga from being this good every single year. Um, Michigan comes in with a number two recruiting class and six freshmen, one of whom is a transfer from, um, and, and one transfer from Coastal Carolina, Devontae Jones, a guard, a senior guard, with 19.3 points per game and 7.2 rebounds per game. Eli Brooks and Dunker uh, are... Hunter Dickinson, more, uh, <laughs> um, what's it called? Well, I just can't read. Let's just say that. Dyslexia. Um, Eli Brooks and Hunter Dickinson return. Those are the key players and experience on this team. But where my worry starts to come up is that this Michigan team has a lot of freshmen, a lot of new faces around. Now, Jawan Howard has been with this core group of inherited players, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, etc., for the past few seasons. And they've really been helping him keep this team consistent. Well, they're gone now. So what will we be seeing now is if Howard can rebuild a team. That is what we're going to learn. Can he rebuild a team and not just use the remnants of an older team that had the experience? Can he instill the Michigan culture into the fresh faces? The talent is there. They have a ceiling, but I think they're not going to hit that ceiling. That That's what my hot take is about them. Okay. Now. Yeah, definitely hot. Yes. Now we uh, talk about some rivalry here. Ohio State. Now, another team that had a phenomenal last season, but this season probably won't reach the same heights. It's Ohio State. The Buckeyes will keep EJ Little, the All-American forward who averaged 16.2 points per game. He is a key to the Buckeyes staying relevant, along with Justice uh, Swain, 10.7 points per game. Ohio State also brings in more transfers. Cedric Russell, Louisiana from Louisiana, guard, 7.2 points per game. 
Joey Brunk, Indiana center, 6.8 points per game, 5.2 rebounds per game. Uh, Jamari Wheeler, Penn State guard, 6.8 points per game. So they brought in a bunch of uh, transfers to try to carry the load scoring. But uh, Joey Brunk's return from a shoulder injury is probably key, uh, considering he did sit all of last season. So I can see Russell and Brunk being the big factors in how well Ohio State does my guess is that they might get off a little bit rougher at the start and it's going to land them probably in B tier though in the college basketball season unlike football you can recover from a tough start it's harder in football to do that yeah yeah now Illinois they'll be good but they're not going to be as good as last year um Io Desunmu uh, went pro, but they do keep seven-footer Kofi Cockburn uh, on the team, and he is key. Trent Frazier, Andre Curbelo, Kofi Cockburn are the trio that will carry this team. Uh, but beyond that, there is a lack of offense on this team. The LNI do bring in three freshmen to supplement losses from last season, but in my book, they're not going to get much further than the first weekend. That's just really all I can see from them. They're good, but they're not second weekend good. Somebody I think who can get a little farther is Maryland. Now, things are looking real good for Mark Turgeon and the Terrapins. This roster has experience. It has scoring. CC near guard Eric Ayala, 15.1 points per game, or forward Donta Scott with 11 points per game. The bench really doesn't have much returning scoring, though. But the team does bring in six transfers and two freshmen. I can see Xavier Green transfer from Old Dominion having an impact uh, from the bench. While Fats Russell and uh, Kudus Wahab do the damage in the starting lineup. I think that's how it's going to go for Maryland. I think the talent they have and combined with the coaching is going to be enough for them to probably at least go to the second game of the tournament, maybe... Go to the second weekend. And the last team in the Big Ten. The only team I think that is far and ahead better than everybody else. And enough to put them in A tier. No S tier teams here. Is Indiana. Hot. Hot take. Yes. Now it's a new era Indiana with Mike Woodson taking over. From Archie Miller. Now both the Miller brothers are uh, jobless right now. Uh, Mike Woodson, a former Hoosier, 1980 All-American, has done a good job bringing in transfers. Look at Xavier Johnson from Pitt. That's a very good pickup. Uh, Miller Cobb from Northwestern. This team on paper can ball with plenty of potential scoring. There's two questions, though, that are following. Can this team defend... And can Mike Woodson get a tune out of these players? If the answer is yes to both, this team will be super dangerous. Otherwise, I can see Indiana fans to get real restless real fast. My gut says that he's going to do it. I think he's going to be good. I think Mike Woodson's going to deliver the goods uh, because he has coaching experience. He was an assistant coach and a head coach in the NBA with the Hawks, the Knicks, the Clippers, 
and then the return to the Knicks. Um, So, I think Indiana is as good as it gets in the Big Ten. Which is odd. Like, the Big Ten isn't bad. But there's so much competition in the mid-level of the Big Ten, similar to what you had with the ACC last season, where you had so many teams that were decent that they would hurt each other's chances of being, like, ranked higher. That I think that's what's going to be happening in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I see it because none of them seem like championship contenders at the first look. Um, so yeah, I agree. Although, I don't know if I would put Indiana this year. I would flip them with Maryland. Put Maryland in the eighth year. And consider putting Illinois and Ohio State in the eighth year. Although, about the last, the those two teams has me you know thinking well maybe it is right for Illinois and Ohio State to stay in the B tier but my problem with Indiana is that they have well you're right and while I do believe Woodson's going to do very well Indiana I mean he knows the program I mean because he played there and he's from yeah. the state of Indiana so that's gonna help he's but, basically a legend for them. Right, he's, he's a legend. He definitely is. And so I think long-term this is a great hire. Although, like, the Archie Miller era went so poorly that I think that there needs to be this almost regrouping year. I don't want to say rebuilding, but regrouping, reorganizing year um, that I think is going to be this year before we then say the year after that they're going to be that eight-year team. But I don't know, that's... I could, but I can see them getting to eight here, though, like you said. I, I feel like my me putting Indiana eight here is the, sort of the hottest of my hot takes when it comes to the Big Ten. But I kind of have that confidence that Mike Woodson's going to deliver. Yeah. Well, maybe my hottest of hot takes is Michigan being B tier. But yeah. I, I, I don't. There's something in me that says that Michigan Juwan Howard has gotten a little bit lucky with that core he started with. And that he's going to lose that core of players, and it's going to hurt how efficient his team is, at least to start. Right, right. That's that's what my gut says. But um, I think I've talked and ranted a little bit long enough. I've probably bored people with these predictions. People are probably going to be throwing things at me for getting them wrong, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, the last thing we really got to talk about here is the NBA. <laughs> the games are rolling in. We're back to balling uh, in, in the big lights. Um, NBA season has started. The Hornets are 3-0 and after beating the Nets today. Miles Bridges take a bow with that 360 dunk at the Nets. Nice. While there were people outside of the Nets uh, arena protesting to let Kyrie play. Fun. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> There's a lot to pack, packed up in that, but yeah, <laughs> I think we should go ahead and put in. We're three games in. I think it's fine. We can go ahead and just cash in our um, predictions for the NBA West. We discussed the NBA East yeah. in the last episode. Um, do you want to talk about Ben Simmons first before the preview or after ben the preview? Oh, okay. Let's let's just say this. He is not doing himself any favors. 
<laughs> he's not doing anybody any favors. He got kicked out of practice. He finally came back. So, like, I don't, I don't remember what the last update we gave you all was. But, like, he came back to the team. And then he got kicked out of practice um, and suspended for a game because he wouldn't participate in drills. He wouldn't sub into drills, I think, what, what the official story was. Um, Embiid said that he didn't want to babysit people. <laughs> he used the word babysit in his interview. Embiid did. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of drama in this locker room right now. And it's just... It's the reason why I put the Sixers at uh, why I put the Sixers at fourth instead of higher because they have the talent to be amazing, but with this much distraction, you know, like you can't you, you can't function fully when when you have this much distra- distraction. So yeah, there you have it, Sixers like. They're going to be in the headlines for all this Ben Simmons stuff. How do you get kicked out of... Like, you have to really be throwing a stinker in practice right. to get kicked out by your own coach. Get kicked out of NBA practice, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, this isn't high school basketball. This is the NBA, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. Maybe they'll, Maybe, like, more stories of what happened will come out. But so far, not much is leaked about what actually happened, other than you know what I just said. Yeah. But um, I think I think it's I think it's time for our predictions of the West, and like last time, we're gonna start at the bottom, work our way up, and kind of talk about where we disagree and you know why we have some of the hot takes we do. Although at the beginning, I think we have we have a lot of similarities. At the beginning, in fact, Gaddy and I both have the same teams in the bottom three of the West, although we have a little bit different of an order. Um, I have Thunder at fifteenth, Rockets fourteenth, and then Kings thirteenth. Gaddy has Rockets fifteenth, yeah. Thunder fourteenth, Kings thirteenth. So it's we're pinching pennies right here. It's right. really not much of a going to be the worst of the worst. Players. Yeah. That's the discussion we're having right now. Um, I think we should probably start. I mean, even like we have wolves very similar. Yeah. Um, you had wolves at eleven. I had them at twelve. Twelve. Yeah. You were really down on the Spurs, though. You had Spurs at twelve. Yeah, I just feel like this the San Antonio Spurs era. I mean. Their era of dominance is over for sure, but just their their era era of consistently making the playoffs it just feels like it's coming to an end. And I know that's not the greatest reason, but just the past few years, like they've been struggling. Where are their stars? Right, that's the thing. They, yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be this. Like, I want to say this is gonna be their third year of missing the playoffs. They just. Yeah, no, no stars. No, like, key points other than it's Popovich. But yeah. Pop's trying to break that record. Yeah, like, I don't have anything else. To I think once yeah. he breaks the record, he's done. Yeah. So. I agree. I agree. Um, 
You have the Grizzlies at 11. Explain. Why are you... Oh, no. I have the Grizzlies at 11. Never mind. You have the Grizzlies at 11. I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, I misread this. Yeah. Um, I have the Grizzlies at 11. Not because they're worse than people. It's because others are better than them. I feel the Grizzlies have been overachieving. I personally... Like, John Morant is a great player. Jaron Jackson Jr., great player. But I don't see that team working as good as it is consistently. It shouldn't be. Yeah. But I feel the Pelicans, after being hamstrung by their coaching last season, and also Zion's inability to be fit enough to play, I think he'll come back this season, though it's a, he's apparently gotten even heavier now, Zion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only have the Pelicans at 10. I could see Grizzlies being at 11 to 9, honestly. Um, Pelicans being in that 9 to 11 region. Spurs, 9 to 11 region. Those, There is such yeah. flexibility in where these teams can end up because these right. uh, Spurs, Pelicans, Grizzlies are, I think, on similar levels. But... Yeah. Now, moving up the eight through one seeds is where it gets really spicy. Yeah. Um, do you want to go ahead and give uh, your, I guess, 9, 10, 11? Yeah, I have the Wolves at 11 because I just... I mean, we, we both agree yeah. they're not making the playoffs. They're, so they're problematic. Very problematic. I have the Pelicans in as 10 just because... They just have more talent than the teams I have at eleven through fifteen, but they also haven't shown any enough cohesion to warrant getting any higher. So that's why I have them there. And then ninth, which is a little bit of a hot take, although we're not too far off from each other. I have the like nine through one are my teams that are like, hey, these are you know good basketball teams. Nine, the Blazers, and the reason I have them that low is I just again like it's just not working out in portland for damian lillard it feels like their their shot at being that top four team in the west that can make a deep playoff run it, it just seems like that's ending you know they had that great postseason in 2019 doesn't feel like they're going back to that yeah uh, i mean i have blazers at eight so yeah. we're we're really not far off at all we're basically almost in agreement right there but yeah. The Blazers just haven't gotten better. Simply. Right. Maybe their coaching change is going to... It might help them get a little bit less stagnant. But I don't think yeah. they just have the ro- talented roster in depth that they used to have. Yeah. Dame isn't getting any younger. McCollum isn't getting any younger. Nurkic injury issues. Zach Collins, good player, but just riddled with... Like, um, if Zach Collins could have been healthy for like yeah. one or two postseasons, they could have accomplished yeah. so much more. But he is never healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Nasir Little yeah. has been playing actually a little bit more now. He's not he's not splashing anything, you know, he's not double digit consistent scoring, but he's playing more, he's developing. Um but yeah. I don't. I don't see the Blazers doing that much. They're really gonna have to get carried by McCollum, 
Nurkic and Lillard. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the problem. I, like, part of the reason I had them at nine and the Grizzlies at eight. Because the Grizzlies, in my mind, they've they've shown that potential. And you're right. Like, you know, when you think, you know, you mentioned some of the problems that the Grizzlies have. And they do have problems. But they've just they've done well the past two years with being incredibly young now they're starting to get that experience and so i'm i'm putting them above the grizz like they're they're trending more in the right direction than the blazers are which is why i have them at eight blazers at nine i see i don't see the grizzlies having that depth though yeah to be honest yeah, i mean that's a good point we agree on the clippers at number seven no Kawhi. Kawhi's injury. Yeah. No Kawhi. I don't see them doing that well. I don't see them doing it. Better. Nuggets. We agree. We as number six. Wait. Um. Number five. We agree on the Mavericks. Luka Doncic is the truth. Uh. We have Lakers. Warriors flipped. So I had the Warriors at three. The Lakers at four. You had Lakers at three. Warriors four. So. Yeah, similar spot. If if this comes out to last season, where the teams are all very similar, or uh, in yeah. in uh, what's it called, in their win loss, then it's really minuscule. The reason I would put the Warriors above the Lakers is Steph Curry yeah. and the return of Clay Thompson. I feel that Steve Kerr's coaching. Combined with the just unfair advantage Steph Curry has over everybody else when it comes to shooting yeah. the ball is yeah. overwhelming. And then bringing back Clay Thompson eventually, he's a wild card. A wild card. Yeah. Does he return to his form where he's just also, or he's the Splash Brother, you know? One of the Splash Brothers. That's yeah. a question mark. Um. Yeah. And if if Clay Thompson were starting the year fully healthy, I would say definitely the Warriors above the Lakers. But that's the thing we don't exactly know when he's coming back. We don't know what he's going to look like when he's coming back. So that caused some concerns with me. And also, you know, their their depth is good, but I think the Lakers have more depth which will help long-term throughout the season. Although, you know, I heard that, you know, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard, what, they shoved each other during the timeout? I don't know. It's drama. Drama in Los Angeles. If the Lakers can can get past the drama, I'm putting them at three. Because, I mean, West, Ron, Nady, and Carmelo, and... You know, like that just sounds like a team that should be, I just, should be doing very well. I know they're all nah. old. My concern about the Lakers is health. I don't think they can stay healthy for an 82-game season. I have more confidence. Yeah. I have more confidence in the Warriors, Like, of course, apart from Clay, being healthy throughout the season and being consistent through the season than the Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers... Their role players aren't good enough to carry the load of Westbrook, Mello, LeBron, AD, mm-hmm. and Dwight, really. Uh, they're just not. 
Well, the Warriors are a little bit more Spurs-like. Old Spurs-like, where they have that deep roster where you can mix and match players and get them working real well. Um, so, that's why I have the Warriors at three. Our numbers one and two are in agreement. Yeah. Suns and Jazz. Jazz. Suns at one, Jazz at two. Suns should be just so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the Jazz, too. They just they just feel like a complete team um yeah no i'm 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 loving both those teams now, I'm loving both of those teams also one reason i did hold the lakers down later is maybe for seeding they might to preserve health pull back uh some of their guys to keep them ready for the playoffs yeah. so which which i do want to transition into the playoffs but let me go ahead and mention the plans uh, in my plan, I had the Clippers, Blazers, Spurs, Pelicans, where I had the Clippers going seventh seed, the Blazers going eighth seed. So Spurs and Pelicans go home, yeah. um, which would give me a Suns-Blazers round one game, Lakers-Mavericks, Warriors-Nuggets, Jazz-Clippers. Yeah. Who's coming out of the East or, or the West? The Lakers. Also from the East, the Bucks. The Bucks are going back to the championship game, in my opinion. So you have a Lakers-Bucks finals where I have LeBron James, the MVP, of course, with the Lakers winning in six. Yeah. Am I confident of that? No. <laughs> is that what is that what uh, Adam Silver wants to happen? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Last year, I, going into the playoffs, I said that the winner – of the Suns Lakers series would make it to the finals and then win the whole thing. Although I, I got the first part right, the winner of the Suns Lakers made the finals. Although I officially picked the Lakers, um, so like I want to say the Lakers are going to win the West. You know, I'm I'm a Cleveland fan. Braun can do in the playoffs. Combine that with AD and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo. Like it's just in. Rondo and you know you throw in oh Malik Monk is coming off the bench right like they just it, it just seems like an exciting team um but oh well I should I should take a step back so play-ins um I have the I'm gonna have the Clippers and Blazers making it into the playoffs in that order um as the what's it called like seven eight and then Suns beating Clippers I mean, sorry, Suns beating Blazers, Jazz beating Clippers, Lakers over Nuggets, Warriors over Mavericks. And then in that second round, let's just say this. I think the Lakers are making it to the finals. That's so you're agreeing with me. Pick. Yeah, although I could, see the, I could see the Suns making the finals as well. I'm also picking the Bucks from the East. I don't think I said that last week. I think the although I picked the Heat to be number one in the regular season, I think Bucks are a little more complete when it comes time for playoffs. And then the Nets, like until they can show me that they can, you know, handle these problems with Kyrie and with Ben Simmons, I I'm not gonna pick either one of them to go to the finals. That's fair. But they could if they can fix those problems. That's fair. Well, uh... 
takes the war. I have MVP being Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, Rookie of the Year, Cade Cunningham, Most Improved Player, Miles Bridges, who's scored multiple 30-point games already. So uh, that pick, I'm going to go ahead and cash that pick out. Give me my reward, please. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's all we got to cover. Uh, am I missing anything? No, I think I think we covered it all. All right, then. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be previewing SEC basketball. We'll take reviewing the Notre Dame-UNC football game. And uh, take a look at that preseason AP top 25 and who's real, who's not in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until then, please stay safe. Spread the word about the podcast. Help us grow. And um, have a good day, evening, or whichever applies. Awesome. Thank you all.